for club and you ain't in it full of psychopaths who believe in eugenics it's an evil club and you ain't in it full of psychopaths who believe in eugenics it's an evil club and you ain't in it wait okay And we're live. How are you guys doing tonight? Fucking good, dude. Fantastic. <laughs> I was going to ask before we started, but we're already fucking live. What are some words that I shouldn't say on YouTube? Uh, let's wait 11 seconds and you can say okay. anything. I th- it says we're 20, 28 seconds in. I think we're good. Hewitt says we're an hour and three seconds in for me, so I don't know why it says that. I I don't think uh, – I'm, I'm sure that um, – Anything I've done on YouTube is probably demonetized. Like, probably not for me, but just you know, the the people that I go on with. I know, I know for a fact that anything I've done with Pete is probably he's not. YouTube's not yeah. giving him. YouTube's not incentivizing him to keep doing what he's doing. No. Dude, I don't even fuck with YouTube anymore. I I started a YouTube because I had enough listeners bugging me about it. I posted a video with a with a homie of mine. Within three hours, I got a strike and they took it down. Yeah. It was like, I just started it. Like, within 24 hours of me starting the fucking channel, three hours after, it's gone. Just done. Yeah. I, I remember, like, back in the day when uh, Molyneux got removed and, like, he put out something on, uh, I forget what it was. It might have been, uh, uh, what the hell is that weird fucking tube website with all the crazy conspiracy videos? I love it. I, I can't remember what it is, but like, you know, he's crying about, Oh, I've lost like a third of my income and I can't believe this. And this is, this isn't right. And I'm like, dude, like you saw, you've been the one like showing us the writing on the wall. <laughs> like, yeah. And, yeah. Like I get it. It's hard to like migrate platforms and diversify and all that, but maybe, maybe don't be a full-time YouTuber. <laughs> yeah. Like I am, Currently, I'm only on um, YouTube and Spotify. I need to yeah. I need to get on Odyssey and start uploading other places. But I, I fucking hate uploading and dealing anything technical. It's easy. And I go here. I go live and I walk away. It's done. It's, and it's not your main yeah. source of income. I'm assuming. No, no. I All right, there you go. <laughs> Buddy, if you hook it up though, Odyssey will automatically take your fucking videos and just do it. I gotta get that hooked up. Then. It'll just fucking mirror them. I'm like yeah. very slow to adopt anything new. Like I I still use YouTube as like my main video content thing um but like i i've heard like overall positive reviews of odyssey i heard their mobile app sucks but uh you know like other than that it's cool oh bitch it, it has that's, everything yeah it, anyone that you want to fucking hear from like anyone that wants to say the, some most racist sick fucked up shit in the world you can find it there it's great yeah. it's you a cesspool like- and i fucking swim in it yeah yep <laughs> Nice. Well, today we're going to talk um, the worst book I've ever read. Well, that and uh, Atlas Shrugged, but we're going to I like that Atlas Shrugged a little I did bit. Not enjoy I found one oh, head was much better than Atlas Shrugged. Um, uh, so we're going to talk White Fragility by uh, Robin D'Angelo. Which, um, thank you, did Nate you get a little hard whenever fucking uh, Ayn Rand was talking about some dark, kinky shit? I got a little bit hard. I got to admit it, dude. It was like, God damn, this is a little hot. That's some, yeah. that's some, get some good stuff in that book. She's now. a sick bitch, dude. Yeah. I think I've, my, the no. only, the only Rand thing I've ever like read from start to finish was uh, Anthem. And that was like, it's all right. I guess. Yeah, Anthem was, yeah. That was, yeah, really it was cool. So yeah. That one had virtuous selflessness. I really think that's the best stuff. Anything outside of that, I don't see any, there's nothing to gain. 
she has some dark rape fantasy and fucking <laughs> and what's yeah. the what's the book with the fountainhead, right? Yeah. I think it was like they it was, it was a bit honestly we read about how much sex is in that book and like this came out when? This is like a very early, like old book. This has got to been like in the smut section of libraries. Well, dude, I that. just picturing Ayn Rand flicking her bean so goddamn hard while she's yeah. writing that shit. The Fountainhead <laughs> was actually a book about her pussy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, <my> <laughs> oh, gonna be All right, time. we're way off topic. <laughs> uh, White Fidelity by Robin D'Angelo. Uh, thank you, Nate, for the suggestion. I put on Twitter I wanted to read a book that I would hate and could could. Uh, critique on the podcast and you gave me the absolute shittiest thing ever mm-hmm. so thank you for that and thank you for inviting Aaron on the door because that was uh, make it more fun so what I did you guys I think did. of the book yeah Aaron um, you didn't read it I don't think right no but I've, yeah, I've yeah. heard about it um w- let me get your opinion what do you think the author's real intent was in publishing this book uh getting black eyes the fuck off that was I haven't I that was it. Googled the picture of her yet. Is she a little sexy? No. Is she gross? Uh, I mean, hold on. I'll, 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 I'll cast a photo of her too. Yeah, yeah, throw her up there. Yes, uh... Smash her pass is really what I want to know. I'm interested to know like her list of credentials because you know, you know, she has like that's the first thing she probably has on her bio. She is a fucking professor of some sort. Yeah. Yeah. Where is it? Sale screen. All right, let's see her, buddy. You got her in a bikini. What are you, what are we doing? I no, I just Google images. Let's see here. Oh I yeah. Okay. This one. Uh, type in Robin D'Angelo uh, yeah. Gash. Let's see if we. <laughs> I just Robin D'Angelo. D'Angelo's pick. Butthole. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing else. Yeah, I mean, looks like uh, looks like the usual suspects. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, I did not know she won Jimmy Fallon. That has got to be the worst thing ever. That's... Uh, poor Jimmy. Not surprising, just disappointing. Yeah, I, while we searched in the book, I... Um, she looks like I, a less sexy Elaine. Yeah. That's a fair description. Uh, when we searched in the book, I watched a bunch of these uh, waste sensitivity training videos. Like James Corden had one. Um, Jimmy, I think Jimmy Kimmel did one. There's a mm. bunch of these. Like, these are so terrible and quins and i have I, yeah, I but hate were they like meant to be accessible to like you know the the uneducated blue collar folk or were they like meant for like you know hr directors i i don't know I, they're preaching I, to the choir with that shit dude they're yeah, like so. yeah it's so fucking gay it's the worst james corden is the worst oh my god i hate him i think he actually is worse than i think he's the worst one yep i, I think i think up for debate i mean no only good one is conan and, and he's not great, but he's, I just, I can actually laugh at Conan. Yeah. I, I saw him live at Comic-Con and uh, he's, you know, he, yeah, he's probably the least worst, I guess, out of all mm. of them still. Yeah. I used to love fucking Conan. I used to love Leno too. Mm. Yeah. No, like my, my big complaint with any of these, um, waste of sensitivity trainings, uh, nonsense is that anytime you object, it proves the point. Like it's like yeah. you're a racist. Yeah. I'm not a racist. Well, only a racist would get upset about being called a racist because they got found out. That like, is the name I of the book. It. I hate it. That is, it's your white fragility showing. Yeah. When I tell you you're a fucking racist, you get defensive. That's the name of the fucking book. It's so bad. It's it's it's, a, it's <laughs> genius, really. It's it's it such is. a good it's such a good argumentation ethic. If you're like in a power struggle, like it's I mean. I, it's it's kind of fucking kind of impressive. 
I think uh, like getting back onto the subject of all these comedians that have really fallen off. I think by far the person that has fallen the furthest and like it, it hurts my heart to say this because I've been a huge fan for so many years is Howard Stern. I don't yeah, know. dude, he's such a fucking bitch now. He took this COVID thing like and ran with it. He is like locked himself in his house, fucking won't like just like will eat guests alive if they like even suggest that, you know, like vaccine mandates might not be a good idea. Like he will fucking eat you alive and then throw you out like. And he's even moderated on like you know the the free. He was like a like the free speech warrior. Like take it on Clear Channel and NBC yeah. and like and like even now he's like oh I said a lot of things I shouldn't have said and I I apologize and like you know and now he's on like Sirius XM where he can literally say whatever he wants. But that's the thing like is he won his fight and there's there's like you know now he's just a stagnant fucking um, stagnant content creator. Who, what's one's how uh, I'm younger than both y'all. What's one's how I, I think I know who you're talking about, but I'm not positive. Have you ever heard you of the movie who uh, Goddamn Parts? Howard Stern is? No, I, 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 is that the guy with the long black hair? Yes, yeah. kind of like, face. He kind of looks like Rick and, uh, D'Angelo hey a little bit. Yeah. Okay, I know. Who like, you, have you ever heard anybody say like, like "Hey now"? Like that's that's Howard Stern, or uh, occasionally uh, like the, somebody, one of his fans will like bomb a uh, like a. Like a local news station and be like, Baba Booey. Like that's where that comes from. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yep. I did I know I, I'm younger than y'all, so I don't I don't know who, yeah. I know who that was. It's Back like kind of an East Coast thing. Um he was he was a new he bounced around the East Coast pretty much. But uh yeah, he was he was a huge fucking cultural force. Like mm-hmm. very blue collar dude. Like I remember listening to him as a kid, like in my dad's truck. Like he's just a, a monster. Yeah, he was the filthiest fuck. He was the greatest thing ever, man. I, you know who else I'm disappointed is Jesse Ventura. Oh, Jesus yeah. Christ, yep. man. He used <laughs> to be a fucking libertarian or whatever the fuck he was. He was a truther. He was on the fucking money, dude. Yeah. You would call that shit up. What about Tower Seven? Yeah, you know, <laughs> like he's on like, fucking Fox News. He'd be he's, like, a, he's a regime conspiracy theorist. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's such a fucking. But, dude, who else was calling out fucking 9-11 Truth on Fox News Live? Like, he was such a badass. Oh, shit. <laughs> now he's a giant faggot. Uh, I, all my comedians, like, uh, 23, so I, I finally started getting to comedians. They all started going woke. So there's only, like, a few comedians I know who want fucking tail. But, like, Bill Burr and Mark Norman, Tim Dillon, C.O. Vaughn. I think those are – every other comedian I know was, like, a woke yeah. wokester loser. So – Joey Diaz, Rogan. Dude, um, Joey Diaz is the motherfucking shit, dude. I've seen him live twice. He's such a filthy dirtbag, dude. He's the <laughs> fucking best. He's like, because he was live in Portland. He starts calling everybody faggots. Like, he starts pointing <laughs> at them. Like, <laughs> yeah. No fucks. No fucks, dude. Yeah. Uh, Nate, when you went, you read the book twice, you said? You mm-hmm. suffered through this book twice. Uh, quick question. What was your big takeaway from it, and why did you need to do it twice? Uh, I have, like, a stoner's memory, dude, because I used to smoke a lot of weed. So I had to fucking do it twice because I didn't take notes the first time. Mm. And then the second time I did take notes, but I left all my fucking notes at work. So I'm sort of fucked. But my big takeaway, uh, she's a real dumb bitch. But she's not stupid. She's just a dumb bitch. Yeah. Um, hmm. Who was who was like the uh, the target audience for this book? 
white people. Uh, white people. White women. Uh, white, white upper, women. Cl- upper class white women. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I imagine the tone is a little bit um, intellectual, maybe a little, uh, you know, us versus them type deal. Um, yeah, that that sounds about right. I, I don't think I need to read it to kind of get the no. gist. It's uh, I will say there's some. It's pretty amazing though, dude. You will piss your pants laughing. I was it's, down to that. It's pretty fantastic. Is there any evidence whatsoever that she's ever like interacted with, uh, let's say, any black person that makes under fifty thousand dollars a year? No, no, uh, no. She, yeah, definitely some black academics and things like that. Yeah. <laughs> What's interesting is um, one thing I noticed about a lot of these uh, racist, racist, uh, the people who profess the systemic uh, racism. They can't. They can't argue with it. Like it's a. It's a presupposition. It's their starting point. Like it's like how we see the sky is blue. That's how they see it. Like if you say I'm not a racist or I don't think that's the case, you are just defending your own, uh, your own position in the hierarchy and not actually arguing with them. You're just arguing against to them a universal truth that is plainly obvious for everyone to see. And so it's like you say you're racist. Why don't they racist? How can you not see it? It's it's the sky is blue, and they have that reaction to it, which is just anger and insulting you because they they can't actually argue it they just see it and they just go from there yeah it's it's always this interesting juxtaposition of um you know inclusiveness and democratization and uh kind of on the backdrop of you know i i also work at like this this institution with a five billion dollar endowment and like i drive a lexus apparently she made a list of characteristics of white supremacy that includes things like punctuality and hard work Hmm? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, Martin Luther King Jr. did the same thing. He wanted to get rid of black coats and wanted him to soap to work on time and not dress crazy. And yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's kind of a tenet of uh, this kind of mutated neo-Marxist thing. I don't want to. I, I I hate to refer to it as Marxism because Marxism, mm-hmm. like Marxists, would have put them in a ditch. But um, yeah, it's it, it's all about like like the. You you win the battle when you win when you win language and um mm-hmm. you know anything that comes from like this this European uh, waspy code of ethics like uh, like punctuality like you know looking somebody in the eye when you shake their hand and all that all that old school shit mm-hmm. um like anything that that comes from that tradition needs to be um even if it's even if it's fundamentally you're doing the same thing the the language around it needs to change and the um the history around it needs to change because you know uh it's it's just not accessible to you know their their particular their the 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 demographic that they believe should be more included in the power process Yeah, I don't know, man. It was it was fucking weird. I I just I'm trying to yeah, like you said, like what the fuck was her like what was the goal of her book? What was she trying to like achieve with this? And it's fucking fascinating, dude, cuz she just won't shut up. It's it's like she can go through every single example of like you can be a you could have like marched in the civil rights movement, you can have you, you can be married to a black man and get black dick every night. You can, uh, I mean, she goes yeah. through every single painstaking example, and she goes, but because of this, you're still fucking racist. Yeah, she redefines racism in the same way every leftist has that like elusive goal they can keep chasing after to keep growing the state. That egalitarian menace where they can just keep growing things. The way they see redefine racism that it's always it's everywhere at once. 
but also nowhere because he actually can't deal with it. That's their new thing. That's that's her thing. It's like, okay, this is something we can always point to because it can never actually nail it down. And we can always complain about this, always make that our focal point. Yeah. Yeah. And um, like you said, they they have this starting axiom that um, because it's an axiom, it's kind of un- unprovable in the material world. But um, and from there, they they branch off into, you know, their actual arguments and, um, you know, kind, kind of like Marxism, like if, if the foundation is wrong, then, you know, you, 99%, you might be able you might even be able to agree with 99 percent of what she's saying. But the foundation is is wrong. And um, yeah, it's it's really just a, a, a like this whole cultural war. This whole culture war thing is um is a battle between um how we interpret history, how we interpret present events, and um you know whether whether it's material or whether it's spiritual. And uh, mm-hmm. make no mistake, like you know, conservatives don't have the monopoly on like religious uh you know valuing religious. Um, indoctrination, I guess, because um, progressivism has all all the trappings of religion. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's born out of p- the uh, Puritan ideology of the um, Protestants. Mm-hmm. It's now one of the um, I would say she has these weird uh, assumptions that she make about race. Like someone will, or someone would, was a uh, the story he told about these. Well, I got you right. <laughs> <laughs> like she's lecturing all these uh, public educators about racism and this one guy one six stands up to complain about a mom who was yelling at him for the disparity in the classroom and she was like from the way he was talking i knew she i knew he was talking about a black woman like she just assumed because he was complaining about someone that the cousin must have been black yeah like, and she, because she because she had to because she assumed that and and you know it gets back to this fundamental foundational flaw is uh, because she assumed that that must be the truth. <laughs> like, and uh, you know, that's and, and again, that goes back to kind of uh, wanting to win the bat, win the struggle against language. Um, you know, because of the language he used, she wants to fundamentally change the the, the descriptors he used to you know describe that event. And um, you know, that's that involves manipulating language across wide wide cultural swaths. Yeah. It's this fucking power play too that she's doing. It's like so that particular story that Caleb was talking about. Uh, it was a lady, not a dude, and oh, she yeah, she talked about she agreed with Robin Angelo like a hundred percent, and she was trying to give this example of you know what and that lady was that that mother was right and I was wrong, and she was trying to capitulate and apologize, but because of her tone, she could tell that she had made an angry black woman's voice or something, and so then. She she goes through this whole moral dilemma of herself, and she's like, "Well, do I call her out?" And I know if I do this, this white woman is going to. Anyways, it was fucking stupid. But she says at the end of it, like other white women come and congratulate her for calling that woman out, and it's like this, it's this fucking circle jerk of like we put that bitch in her place, and we're. Actually, what were we saying, Caleb? This is why some people said read the book. The inner monologues he goes through. Yeah, it's it's good. To, I think it's good to actually know that there are people who think like that, and now that you kind of see that I can spot it. Oh yeah, I think it's good to know because you're reading someone. This is her thoughts on racism. She describes how she sees the one and says, like, "Okay, this is this, this is a framework. Let's see how they yeah. operate." And it, it's it's actually I'm glad I hated the book. I'm glad I read it because now I I better understand why these people suck so much. Well, it's kind of like um how. 
you know, a Marxist will see exploitation in everything. Um, that's that's kind of the the tint the, the the tint of their glasses that they view the world through. And um, this is no different. And it's it's honestly it's kind of no different from like your average libertarian viewing, you know, uh, the, viewing everything through the lens of like state power. Like, how does the state how how did how did the state do this? It's and that's the definition of ideology. You have this pre presuppositions that you. That, that define your worldview. And that's, that's where, that's your starting point. That's, that's across all ideologies. And um, yeah. almost know, every problem I blame England. And yep. that's my own fucking. Yep. I mean, for me, it's Lusso. I blame Lusso and John Calvin. <laughs> like, so that's my starting point. But hmm. yeah, like, so anybody listening, um, the book is, it's free on YouTube. The entire audio book has some robot reading it. Um, it's, <laughs> Dude, the, some of the pronunciations are yeah <laughs> fucking bad. great. Um, but it's yeah, I mean, it's only it's four hours long. Put on time series, but get on there two hours and twenty minutes or something, and you're not gonna learn anything except uh, how these people think and operate, and Which how is, robots say the n word. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of funny. There's a lot of n bombs dropped in the middle there. All right, all right, now I'm intrigued. <laughs> So one of my one of my big complaints is that he would start a sentence and it would like you could it would you listen to it like okay so he's leading up to something, and when, why was he about to make the claim? So he'd move to a new topic, and never actually make make fall through on the claim. So I have to in fact I have already uh, I've inferred a lot from reading it about what he was saying. I have no idea if that's actually what he was trying to say. And if I came out of it from an ally perspective, he'd probably be like yes, that's what I was saying. But if I come out of it from a disagreeing perspective, he'd probably say no, that's not what I was saying. And that's why intentional. Well, I mean, one of the reasons why this this particular brand of like uh, over credentialed progressivism um, is unsustainable is because um, you know you you write a book or you do like any piece of work, right? And um, you when you are thinking about bringing it to the public, um, you you only you only ever get validation. Like that is you filter. You filter out feedback, like just feedback in general, to validation, and um, you know that's that's an unsustainable model to go with with anything. And it's it's kind of it's obviously it's like crept into public schools. Like kids are told, you know, you could be an astronaut, you could be president, you could be a dolphin, you could be a boy, you could be a girl. Like, and it only ever gets like more and more ridiculous as time goes on. But um, like it's this uh it's this constant uh, feedback loop of validation. Um, you know, make a decision, get validated, uh, make a claim, get validated. And um, you know, that validation is kind of their currency because, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're materially like, you know, you're, you're a, prof- you're a college professor. You're, you're never going to be starving. You're probably going to have a fucking Soho penthouse or whatever, whatever they have. And I know that they claim, Oh, well, we don't make that much money. Well, it's not just about money. It's about influence. It's about like, you know, our, our R&D grants and all that shit. Like, uh, you know, learning a little bit more about the managerial class, which that's what that's what they are. They are the managerial class. You know, they might not own the college, but, you know, the 99% of ownership is control. And they, they certainly exercise a disproportionate amount of control. Mm. That's a good point. Nate, y'all, you want to add about it? It's just not what to say, though. Well, the... I don't know. I mean, some of the funny shit, like when she starts talking about white solidarity, I thought was the funniest shit. (laughs) Yeah, if you try to point out 
she's being like, she can say anything she wants about race. And if you come up as a white person and say, hey, I think you're wrong about that, it's not that you have a valid critique or disagreement that you are trying to defend your own position in the white hierarchy and you're trying to get on her for breaking white solidarity. Hmm. So like she's presupposed your axiom for coming, no, you presuppose your reason for coming at her and this this regards anything you say because she's presupposed where why you're coming at her for. And it, it's again, it's very smart to stay in your bubble yeah. like that. Um uh-huh. it's ridiculous because I think it's it's flat out wrong, but it's I can't knock it without being a smart move. <laughs> The way yeah. she described white solidarity too is she was like, it's this understanding between all white people. All white people know the rules. We all make these implicit agreements that we're not supposed to talk about race. We're not supposed to talk about how we are in the uh, it, this this whole fucking bullshit. And if that's true, I like <laughs> I felt like I was the fucking uh, I was the boy in that meme. Like you guys are getting paid. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> oh no! All these well, white people are making these agreements around me, like. Yeah, I mean the the default starting position is to kind of eschew, you know, this it's not it's not dinner table conversation. So like, you know, our our for for the for the normies out there, like, yeah, it's it is an uncomfortable topic, and we don't really like to get into it because you have people on both fringes that are very con- that have very uh, solid convictions in their beliefs and. uh no, it's just, you know, most people, you know, whether they like it or not, like this country's still like 70% white or whatever the demographics are. So there's a good chance that like, if you grew up in a small town or a, even a, a suburb, like never really had to talk about this. So you go throughout life, like kind of just being like, oh, I'm colorblind or whatever. And that's the default position. And, you know, you get validated for that. And then all of a sudden, like, you know, now you're forced to talk about race. Well, guess what? A lot of people are talking about race now, but uh, they're they're not reading they're not reading that book. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, and I think that was the big thing too. She went through all of those examples, like the fact that you grew up in a small town and you felt sheltered from race. That's also your white privilege. And yeah, yeah. she just goes on and on and on every fucking example. Sure, that's one way of interpreting it. And you know, if 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 you wanna if you wanna turn it into like this this. Thing that you did wrong by being born in whatever circumstance like that's a i guess you know i it, it really depends on like who your audience is and uh the psychology behind that and the nature versus nurture but uh probably a good portion of of the of the people you're 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 telling that to are going to like tell you to fuck off and like you know whatever you think i'm gonna think the opposite and now i'm flying now I'm flying a fucking Kekistani or Confederate flag just to, you know, say fuck you. Well, just that's, throw uh, sand in your pussy. Well, go guy said he is the answer. Um, they say you're yeah. racist. The answer you don't expect is damn right I'm a racist. Yeah, exactly. And that's that's kind of where the direction we're heading. And I think, you know, I I, I don't think you know, I, I I forget who coined it, but like the de- the demand for racism vastly over over exceeds the supply. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, they're they're fucking, you know, they're, they're the supply side economists. This, they are fucking fueling it. I think one of my favorite stories that she talked about was, do you remember the one that she was talking about? Her friends bought a house in yeah. uh, New Orleans and they, they spent, what was it? Like $50,000 for a big ass house. Mm-hmm. And they said though, now I need to fucking buy a gun and I don't feel safe, like taking a walk on the street and shit. Cause, and then she was like, I knew when she said that they were talking about a black neighborhood. 
And there's a whole fucking thing. And it's like, and then she was talking about inherently, if you are looking, well, parts of white solidarity are like, let's say you move to a new town or you start a new job in a new town. They'll tell you, Hey, don't buy a house in this neighborhood. You know, and all this shit. And it's like, and if you talk about, if you talk about crime statistics, if you talk about like, hey, that's a bad school, she's like, why was that a bad school? What do you, you know, it's just like, it's the funniest fucking thing. It's like, okay, I'm not saying that all black people are inherently like full of crime. Okay, but it just so happens that I don't want my son to go to school in North, Northeast Portland. And because <laughs> he will get stabbed and will fucking be exposed it's, to crack cocaine in the hallway. It's, and it's not because of the demographics of the school. It's because of the metal detectors. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, that, that's kind of another catch 22. If, if you move to a black neighborhood, you're, you're a gentrifier. If yeah. you move, if you move to like the predominantly white suburbs, then, you know, Oh, it's, it's white flight. <laughs> you're perpetuating like, you know, you're, white supremacy or whatever. Who's the fucking, who's the lady that started BLM and she bought like a fucking $20 million home in like a <laughs> white ass neighborhood. Again, like, like yeah. brilliant. Moving on up yeah. to the brilliant. east side. Yeah. It's uh, I, I, I don't remember her name, but yeah, yet another fucking brilliant move of kind of a grassroots movement getting co-opted and subsumed by corporate interests and people taking full advantage. You know, it happened to the tea party too. The whole time I was reading the book, all I could think about, let me say, I have a photo to say, let me just say the screen. Um, let's see, window. Um, here it is. I all I could think about was this Malcolm X quote. Um, the white liberal from the white conservative only in one way the liberal is more deceitful than the conservative, both from power, but the white liberal is the one who has perfected the artist posing as a Negro's friend and benefactor. Oh, yeah. Like, it, like uh, Mountain King Day, everyone's posting quotes from him, and I decided to look up some Malcolm X quotes, and I, mm-hmm. I didn't. I, I knew Malcolm was, X was, was the fucking shit. After oh. reading, listening to him, I'm like, "Oh, this dude was on it. Like, this dude was fucking yeah. on it." Yeah, I mean, like, he was a he was a legit black nationalist with kind of Marxist tendencies, and um, that's that's kind of why you don't really hear too much about him when when it's February in sixth grade history class. And uh, yeah, that's there's a reason for that because it'll it'll get a lot of people fucking thinking and. Uh, going kind of outside of the boundaries of acceptable, you know, acceptable solutions and brainstorming about solutions. Yeah. I mean, he was about disobedience, but he wasn't trying to keep it civil. No, not at all. <laughs> he and, was fucking based. Yeah. Uh, Nate, you uh, said you have you said, go ahead. Oh, go ahead, buddy. So you had something about the um, ending chapter. I didn't get a fan of the book today, so you had something for the... Um, the ending chapter example about getting cancer or something. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a couple things that? that I liked in the ending chapter. One of them was like uh, that I thought was based as fuck. Uh, so she's sitting there and she's like teaching a class and she like requests to all the white women in the room. She's like, no, no white women are allowed to cry. And she, yeah, she goes, <laughs> you were, were you there for that? Did you read that part? Good luck, like, buddy. Yeah, heard, she was like, this, um, from somebody get else. up and leave if you're gonna fucking cry. Get out of here. She goes, and she was just talking about how like cancerous and evil white women's tears are, and how they're just used to be manipulative. I was like, based. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, wasn't it take? Wasn't a point as like white women tears bring back memories of when white women accused black men of rape in the, uh, mm-hmm. uh, in the Civil War. 
Like that was the argument, and it's like, yeah, everyone has everyone has memory of that. Everyone has like a genetic memory of that event, and it's yeah, <laughs> yeah it's uh, what is it? Um, blood memory, <laughs> <laughs> just kind of a alt alt right like fucking alt right kind of neo pagan thing. <laughs> Oh, you mean blood memory? Yeah, I know about that. <laughs> yeah, it's a horse I say. Yeah, it's, it's just, yeah. Uh, um, what was it? I, I, I went to it earlier on. Oh, see, he gave an example of like a bird's cage, of the bird cage metaphor, where like you can't see how tight the cage is from inside the cage. Like you can't see racism if you are a white person. Only a, a black person can see racism. Kind of thing. So the and black person is actually outside the cage. The black person's yeah. inside. You oh. go in. Yeah, you go up to the cage and you like you're trying to look close and you can only see the side. You can see one bar. You're like, why uh, can't that bird just fly out? What a, what a stirring metaphor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <sighs> it's. I mean, again, it's only it's, it's a very short book and it's not too much to say because like her starting points are off and then her, her tactics are great. And the examples are hilarious. That's really all it is to the book. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I oh. mean, as I'm reading it, I she does she goes through like examples of just like white people being shitty. And like I can give you examples of white people being shitty. Like mm-hmm. I, I'll give you a funny one. In fact, I when I was in high school, I had a fucking teacher and she was kind of a bitch, but she was kind of hot. And she would like uh she would be like trying to make me fucking pay attention to math. And I was stoned off my ass. And then I just told her like, I'm never going to fucking use this. Cause I was already, I was like cooking at that point. I was in the kitchen and I was like, I can, I can either go fucking do construction. I can do whatever the fuck I want. Like, I'm not going to pay attention to this. And she goes, yeah, I know it's okay. She was like, you guys, you guys are good at the girl work. Not so much at the, you know, paper and pencil, this kind of work. (laughs) It was like, you fucking bitch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it, yeah, if you think about it, like... I walked right into that. Yeah. That's actually kind of based in trad pills. Yeah. It's true, though. Yeah. What, I, I never used my math again, and I've fucking been cooking my whole life, so... Yeah. That bitch was right. I haven't had to do math in, like, four years since I got out of high school, and now I'm taking this drafting class, and the guy's, like, you, like it's all on a computer... But like, the old old thoughts make me do all of it through like on paper first. It's like make sure you solve all these fractions and scale problems by hand. Like the job requires a computer nowadays. It requires a calculator. I Why just can- took a uh, wastewater treatment class, and like they'll give you like a word problem, and you have to do like forty seven conversions to solve it. Like converting like cubic cubic feet per minute to uh, um fucking like my like million gallons per per day and like all this shit and uh yeah like it it fucking kind of like really shuffled the dust around <laughs> yeah it's well i mean it's gonna be probably a short episode but um, if you want to talk about other things over here i mean uh i've been really enjoying your uh you as today i, I listened to like two of your uh, you and pete's live readings of um um uh, lennon and uh i gotta say i was not expecting to love it <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I uh, I was really excited to do that because, as you know, I am a Marxist Leninist, and um, you know, it's it's just something that I feel very strongly about, and I want to kind of raise raise the consciousness of the working class, and you know, we're all fucking plebs around here. Uh, actually, that brings kind of brings me to kind of my second point. Um, you might have noticed I got suspended off of my main account. It was the best thing in the world, dude. 
You fucking yeah, yeah. made my day. I didn't see. What I happened. loved it so fucking much. Yeah, if, if you <laughs> if, if you've been following me for a while, you'll notice that when my account does get nuked, it's never it's never from the left. It's always from the right. Like this this <laughs> one, it was an interaction with a men's rights activist. Um, yeah. I, I I said quite a few uh, no no words. And uh, I kind of knew that, like, I was it was going to happen. But um, I also kind of like I I wanted to take kind of a, a a few weeks break from Twitter. But I don't want to be like, hey guys, I need a mental health break. Like, I, I, if I'm <laughs> if I'm taking a break, like, I'm going to make it worth my while. So that. that's kind of like where where I'm at right now. I'm making some moves in in meat space, some uh, professional moves, some personal moves, and like I, yeah. I. I, I know that if I'm like engaged on the timeline, like I'm, I'm engaged and uh, knowing, no, having that kind of self-knowledge, I, I kind of needed to, to take a step back and, you know, you can still DM me and all that, but I'm kind of just taking some time off from the timeline. Um, you know, not really like, not really doing anything with my alt account that is now my main, but um, yeah, I got some, got some major career moves coming up and it's nice. looking pretty good. Good man, fucking a. Yep, I'll be firmly within the six figures, uh, hopefully in a couple weeks. Hell yeah, Yeah, fucking a, man. That's 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 me, the Marxist. Yeah. (laughs) Have you put that ring up that cat's ass yet, or? Yeah, you know, I'm. uh, Yeah, that's that's another thing that's coming coming down the pipeline shortly. I, I, she she probably she probably doesn't subscribe to you guys, so yeah, Yeah. that's that's coming down the pipeline (laughs) shortly. She would have fucking turned it off by now, anyways. <laughs> yeah, <no. laughs> yeah she's, wanna... she's got her TikTok, and I got my uh, my racist podcast. <laughs> it's it's a good dynamic. It works. Um, so I want to ask you, like, after listening to something, I want to start reading more Marxists. Um, all I know about Marxists is when I watched you guys, and when I, I got from a hot buzz, but Marx got but Marx got right, and uh, mm. I think it was uh, Bud Budakis's uh, episodes on Marxist Pete. Um, what's some good, what, what would you say is a good book to start with? Actually, uh, I, if, if you wanted to really see where Marxism, like actual Marxism is at like nowadays, um, I can't recommend enough, uh, Caleb T. Maupin, M-A-U-P-I-N. He's a contributor at Russia Today. Um, if you can kind of get over like the, the cringy aesthetics of some of his speeches, um, he's, he's actually pretty legit and, um, he's, he's absolutely reviled by like all the all the bread tube types like the non-marxist socialists they hate him because he calls mm. them out like he says like he has this i think he has a whole book called uh you know bread tube supports imperialism and like <laughs> he goes through like all these things like with all these uh again like non-marxist leftists that they're pretty much indistinguishable from like you know a, a contributor at the council on foreign relations like yeah. If, if I were to if I were to show you a tweet from like a an anarchist fucking a, a green anarchist gay rights activist talking about like say Ukraine and uh you know uh like David Frum like it would be you wouldn't be able to tell who's who <laughs> it's it's great he's uh he's he's definitely like doing doing the Lord's work from the from the authoritarian left nice I'll take him out yeah Caleb T Maupin. Okay. Yeah, because like honestly, that's what I hate. Like, I, I have to kind of go into and not greatly, but slightly understand like the Marxist stuff. Watching people like Val, Val Voss and these types who are like the Marxists, so it's just it's terrible. I'm like I, you can actually enjoy I enjoy actual Marxists and listening to these people talk. It's like these aren't good people. 
Yeah, it's it comes from like this uh, this axiom that um, any structural changes to us like any system really, uh, they have to be led from the bottom up, and it's it's their view. It's it's just leftism in general's view that um, the bottom right now is you know all this oppression hierarchy classifications that you see, but um, it's it's kind of the it's always been kind of the Marxist the actual Marxist view that like. You know, uh, you have to know the know the cultural traits of you know the the geographic area that you're that you're trying to agitate, mm-hmm. and um, you know it's it's not it, the 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 difference isn't in race. It's it's always been class, and uh, you know the 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 class the class warfare the terms of the class warfare change, but um, there's really no fundamental difference between you know. Uh, a, a, a black a black guy that makes you know forty thousand dollars a year and is barely scraping by like he's he's not really that much worse off than like you know a west virginia trailer park white guy that making forty thousand dollars a year and barely scraping by actually like forty thousand that's that's my east coast dog i'm talking like twenty five thousand you know yeah um and uh you know and this whole uh inclusivity like this whole, you know, we call it woke, but it's like really like inclusivity and um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, like, uh, you know, this this common this 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 common struggle. I, f- I forget the word, but um, mm-hmm. yeah, like it's it's like that whole movement is undermining any chance of structural change that we have. Because yeah, you're, dude, you're, wokeism you're pitting- was the worst thing to ever happen in Marxism to the left well yeah yeah wokeism is absolute cancer yeah yeah it's uh it's it's all it is is just opportunism from people that uh no it's it's not equity it's um uh not solidarity but um i i forget the word my my brain fart but um uh yeah it's like it's turning like all like it's cutting cutting the class, cutting the classes in half and saying, okay, everybody, everybody on this bottom class fight each other. Well, uh, it reminds me, dude, I I listened to some fucking history podcast and I've been trying to find this because I want to play it for my son, but it was basically how the British played um, slaves and indentured servants against each other. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. yeah, Intersectionality. And so like when the Irish would come here, they would have to work for like whatever, like 10 fucking years, like basically like slaves until they could win their fucking freedom or whatever. Right. And so they, they had much more in common with black slaves and with regular British people. And so they were starting to become like a class consciousness. They were actually starting to like, uh, there was like some friendly relations between the Irish and the blacks and the English were like, fuck this dude. They will kill us if we, you know, there's way fucking more of them. If, And so they, that's when the Irish, that's when they started to allow them to become white. And yeah. they were like, all right, no more indentured servants. You guys are still white. You guys are the middle class. You guys aren't on our level, but you're at least you're not black slaves. And so then they, they break up that consciousness. Right. And so yeah. that's what they're doing right now. Like, we could see the people that are on top. We could see the Klaus Schwabs. We could see the Bill Gates. We could see all these fucks. We should go down and smash their fucking faces in. In Minecraft. But and you in, know what? In Minecraft. In the meantime, like, we're fighting it with each other. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? Like, you don't even have to fucking go to Bill Gates' house and burn his house down. Um, 
you know, this, this whole paleo libertarianism thing, that's like, you know, like get involved in local politics, take over your local t- city council or, um, selectmen or whatever, um, or school board, uh, th- you know, coming, coming from, you know, what I've learned from reading Marxism, take over your fucking HR department, have your wife become an HR director and like, just basically, you know, have her do whatever you say. And like write the employee handbook. Like it's not only about local government; it's about like, local like business. your your yeah businesses, like mm-hmm. yeah. mid mid and large size businesses. Like that's a battleground too. That I think uh, you know, as 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 libertarians are so like you know pro business, like fucking you know uh, pr- private fucking pri- you know privatize everything. Uh, you have to control the the people that write the employee handbook. The CEO doesn't have any power. It's the HR department. That's yeah. where this whole yeah. manager understanding like this whole managerial state is really fucking good. And that comes from like paleo conservatism, paleo libertarianism. And um, yeah, like we, we have to kind of get a better idea. It's not capitalism versus socialism. It's something else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a great point. Um, and one thing I was thinking about, I was like, after kind of listening to good, good left, good Marxists, like really it's not Marxism that I dislike it's neoliberalism. Which I don't really like that word, but like it's the only way to describe this neoliberal hellscape. It's like these people are just the worst. I mean, it's, yeah, they're constant. They're really just terrible. Um, I fucking hate neolibs, dude. Yeah, it's you talk to people on Twitter like I'm a radical, and it's like you voted for Hillary. Yeah, like, neoliberalism is kind of like this catch-all word, and like even you know if you talk to a like an actual communist, like even even you know. Like libertarians, AOCs, like, yeah, yeah, even yeah, they're all fucking neolibs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, We're all gonna get sent to the gulag or bullet in the back of the head. Yeah, because like a a function of neoliberalism is just having a free market and like you know free market any type of free market capitalism. You are you, so like it's one of those terms, kind of like libertarianism, that's changed changed connotations throughout through time. And uh, starting to mean something other than like what it was originally meant. Yeah, it's honestly. I think uh, I put this. I started looking more and more to the right recently, kind of going like down to paleo right stuff. I became very like I just got my politics anti-left, uh, mm-hmm. but I think I, I in doing so I kind of like ignored the left. Uh, and after listening to, to yourself with Pete and this book, I was like you know, I think this I need to go back and look. We look at the left now. And I've kind of like. Woken up on politics a bit more and really assess. You got to know your evil. enemy. Yeah I, yeah, I don't know what him as well. Well, as, as what I said. you got to know your enemy, and uh, you also you can extract so much useful, yeah. useful praxis from, you know, just like just ideas and thought forms and axioms and like, and it's not that hard to apply to you know whatever your ideology is. Like uh, I was just talking to one of the GCs, like the idea that you got to break a few eggs to make an omelet, like that's something that like any ideology knows, like takes for granted. Like, yeah, if, if, you know, we ever seize power, like you can bet that, uh, you know, our enemies are going to try to like either in their death throes or, you know, to try to kind of react to us. Like we're going to have to break a few eggs and, uh, you know, all but like the, the nap enthusiasts kind of, kind of know that as like a, a given. Yeah. And um, yeah, but, like but it's just I- things like that. I put my on Twitter guy his account taken down because he said, um, "There's no way, to, there's no way that gets better without violence. Stop living in that fantasy world." 
And he got, he got taken down. He hasn't come back yet, sadly. Yeah. But um, he's right. More libertarians need to hear that, man. I love you, libertarians, you crazy little oh, artists. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. buddy. All my, are, all my friends are libertarian, and I hate all of them. How about that. let's only apply the nap to other libertarians and sure. everybody else, let's bash their brains in Minecraft. Minecraft. Like, <laughs> we're going to have to find – I don't know, man. You know, the, the goal <laughs> is kind of a, a, a peaceful restructuring, but, um, you know, you have to, you have to take into account that like, these are not peaceful people. We we've seen it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, when, if, if, and when we ever start to actually win, like you can fucking bet that like, you know, you right now it's kind of centered on the, on urban areas and like the usual cities like Portland and fucking Chicago and all that Atlanta, but um, you can bet that, you know, they're not going to like the cities. They, they kind of know that they own the cities and that they can do what they want. But uh, you, you can kind of bet that somebody somewhere is going to realize that, like, hey, man, all, all, all of our enemies live in the suburbs and, and, and the rural area. And then it's going to get it's going to get interesting. Well, man, I remember those fucks going through Portland with fucking bullhorns and like hitting houses with rocks and making people come out of their house and say, save black lives matter and yeah. shit like that. And like yeah. they were going through the fucking nice suburban neighborhoods. Well, and you know, just like any other cultural conflict, they'll, they'll, they'll go as far as they can until they, until they reach, you know, a, a, a requisite amount of resistance. And then that becomes the border. Like, yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I think more libertarians just need to think about this. It doesn't make sense to live by the non-aggression principle or to apply the non-aggression principle to people that don't respect it. Yeah, that's uh, that's the old saying, like living in Ankapistan in your head. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, that's I mean, my, they don't my, like it, but that's that's what it is. Michael I'm not going to wait for you to stab me in the neck. Yeah. yeah. Like my critique of a lot of libertarians is that they they're philosophizing midstream. They'll take it what they want as their end go and they're applying the principles they would live by in their end go day. And it's like, we're not there yet. You, you yeah. can't take your principles from here and apply them now. You got to get to there before you and, can do it. It's and to their credit, like, I, I totally understand the argument that, like, you know, you can't use the violence of the state to fight the state because then, you know, you're no better than them. But you know what? We just spent two and a half years in fucking various stages of COVID bullshit. <laughs> Mm -hmm. And uh, even if we do become what we hate, like it's probably not going to be as bad as where, where, where we're going. You know what? Yeah. Like I, I'll, I'll take her I'll, at this point. Like I'll, I'll take fucking, I'll take Hitler over like, you know, uh, premier Kamala Harris, you know? Yeah. I mean, she gives better blowjobs. I think, yeah. I don't know. I mean, that little mustache might little tickle. Mustache. I mean, they, 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 they <laughs> yeah. love Bushman. I mean, no, you gotta, you gotta make, you, you gotta get that general secretary position somehow, and it's certainly not going to be from work ethic. Of course not. You have to well, tell me I was in the navy for nine years. Got promoted many times. <laughs> well, uh, been a lot of fun, guys. Uh, anything you want to add? Any, any takeaways? Anything you want to add before we give you plugs? Um, not particularly. No, I think we covered pretty much everything. It's been pretty comprehensive. <laughs> uh, the last little story that she like added to the book and that was that's what you were asking me about the cancer story she basically gave this analogy that like if you had if you sat down in a doctor's office and the doctor told you you had like let's say asshole cancer and they said oh hold on i gotta go hey we'll talk next week she said over that next week 
you would fucking research everything there was about asshole cancer. You would want to fucking find out like all this kind of shit. So she goes, I'm telling you, you're racist. So you need to research every single, it's like, she's a yeah. That That's my final words with that. <laughs> no, that speaks to like just the, uh, their general attitude that a credential is a credential and they're all created equal. And when you're, when you're part of the expert class, you are, you know, you have equal utility to say you're your primary care provider. <laughs> it's it's insane, but again, it's kind of smart. <laughs> yeah, that's my big that's my major takeaway. Is like it's it is, it's crazy, but it's smart. Like I, I hate all of it, but I can't not I can't not respect it. Um. Well, uh, Nate, give your plugs. All right, I think I'm at Reality Czar's Pod on everything. Uh, you can find my my main account Twitter. Who the fuck wants that? Anyways, follow me on Reality Czar's Pod on Twitter. I guess I got an Instagram. We just started an Odyssey. Uh, fuck YouTube, and uh, that's it, man. Aaron, you want to yeah. plug anything? Or? Sure. I got a new episode of uh, I got I I think it's going to be the final part of um. Me and me and Pete's reading a Lenin coming up on Sunday at oh, yeah. uh, I, I want to say it's seven p.m. Eastern, and then uh, got Timeline Earth. Um, where I'll be coming out with a uh, over the line episode, I think, with Car Camp it soon, and uh, yeah, and don't don't find me on Twitter. I'll I'll put that shit out like on whatever I do in the next couple weeks. I'm <laughs> Twitter is yeah. DM me D- if if you know you know. If you want to DM me, cool, but like I'm trying to keep a low profile right now. Send me a pussy pic. Yep. Yep. DM me a pic of your pussy. <laughs> you fucking what? crazy son of a bitch. Well, that, was, that wasn't even what got me. <laughs> <laughs> well, another episode of Face, Liberty, and Praxis. Uh, everyone have a good night. Yeah.